Hey everybody, welcome to the 8th episode of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam and I am here with Nick. What is going on, man? Not too much, Cam. Uh, it's been a, a little colder, darker weather-wise week this week, so it was really rainy today. But spirits are still high. It's May, which is exciting. Summer is just around the corner. But yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? You know, uh, I'm doing good. I had a very productive weekend. I filled all three circles in my Apple Watch both days, so yay for activity. Uh, but enough about that. Let's jump into some baseball because we've got more follow-up from uh, who um, I'm going to start calling him our serial fan. Uh, that would be Gary. Our serial stalker. Yes. I, well, I, don't, I don't know. I've not received any any threatening letters or creepy dolls in the mail yet so (laughs) that's good yeah yeah my my dad i think he's yeah he's been enjoying the show um had some more feedback as a follow-up to our last episode the episode of gary uh in reference to the um the hit streak we were talking about and whether that was going to be possible again and uh, he brought up a good point that i hadn't really thought about but um kind of the new new thing in baseball last five ten years is just the introduction of the shift the defensive shift which i remember growing up there was a few like you'd see it for like barry bonds a few of the bigger hitters where infielders would you know shift over more towards the pull side um for those hitters but nowadays pretty much every team does it to most every hitter you know you'll have all these weird defensive alignments um and that's all based on a lot of spray charts and uh past research that's done that looks at where each hitter hits hits the baseball and how frequently etc so you know you look at these spray shot uh spray charts and you see you know a guy like Jay Bruce, who is known to be a pole hitter, most of his balls are hit to right field, right side of the infield, then of course you're going to put more defenders over there. Um, so yeah, just that introduction of that as far as, you know, hitting is hard enough, but now we're putting defenders in uh, places that uh, through research, through experience that you uh, begin to, or you, you see where hitters hit the ball, yeah, that's just another obstacle to, to getting a hit. So, you know, thinking about that, that, you know, I think that eliminates a lot of possibilities for people of getting shifts because a lot of hitters do have those tendencies to hit one side or the other. You know, there's a few special hitters out there that can spray the ball over and it's tough to shift on. But I thought that was a really good point as far as, you know, a lot of guys, yeah, I don't know if this is done as much in the minors either. So you have, you know, those really good hitters coming up. They're pulling the ball, hitting the ball hard. And, you know, in the minor leagues, it's going through. Whereas in the major leagues, you know, you hit it where in between the first base and second baseman, instead of it being a hit in the minor leagues, there's a the second base, baseman's playing pretty much in right field and he just picks it up and, and throws you out anyways. It's got to be a little frustrating, I'm sure. So, yeah, I think that's a good point, and even more ammunition to say probably won't happen again unless 
these are the you know a special type of hitter that is tough to predict but i don't know what your thoughts are well yeah i mean i think the uh the yeah the onset of, of using this shift defensively certainly is uh i mean it's in the defense's favor obviously they wouldn't do it if it was going to give an advantage to the offense um so that you know to your dad's point to your point certainly um makes even competing with the streak harder um and then about the minor league thing i i I have to imagine it's only a matter of time before that starts to become a practice in the minors, if it already isn't. Because I would think as an organization, I would want my my middle infield prospects to be used to, you know, if they're a shortstop, playing on the opposite side of second base. Or if they're a sh- second baseman, playing on the opposite side of second base, depending on if the batter is a righty or a lefty. So that when they get to the majors they're comfortable with playing out of the shift. So I would just imagine if it doesn't already happen in the minors, that it's going to become a regular thing just so that they're preparing the young guys for, you know, their eventual call up. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I know a lot, a lot of times when these teams do these shifts, so, you know, a lot, most of the time it happens to those left-handed hitters. They will end up, bringing the third baseman over and pretty much playing the second base position. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's and right. the second baseman plays kind of in right, like deep, kind of like rover almost. Not right field, but mm-hmm. deep enough to where a ground ball could get there. They can get it in time and throw the guy out. And they, they, they leave the shortstop a lot of times there just to – because then at that point there's only two people out of position. But I think that brings up a good point. I, you know, a lot of players coming up can play multiples – positions in the infield but this becomes even more of a you need to be pretty comfortable being able to do that in case you need to turn a double play from the opposite side or yeah you got to be able to play third base and second base well see that's why i would assume that they would have moved the shortstop over because if they're going to flip a double play like say the so like the the shortstop moves to where the second baseman is the third baseman moves to where the shortstop is it's going to be easier for the third baseman to scoop and flip to the shortstop then having then having the third baseman have to have to run catch plant on second and then turn and try to throw which is a which is a motion that the third baseman never makes right and honestly i think it's a team preference to you know depends on your personnel and like i just can't imagine pablo sandoval pulling that off right and i think that's a big reason why he's not playing as much and kind of lost his job but you gotta you gotta be athletic and you know that that flexibility that you know that we've talked about with the Cubs and them valuing it's becoming as baseball transitions into this new uh, era of being more uh, data backed and uh, researched. You know you got to move around and you can't just anchor at a certain spot like in the past. You know third baseman just pretty much stay in the same spot all the time. Which you know even having this discussion, it's kind of crazy that just within this last decade is kind of when we've seen this happen because, you know, baseball's been around a long time and uh, hitters, I'm sure, the ones that pulled the ball and could hit the ball really hard, you know, where they would get a lot of hits. And I just, it's hard to believe that this is just happening now, <laughs> you know, because, yeah, I mean, there's certain players. I mean, Jay Bruce is the example I use because I've seen him play most of his career. You know, this is the first year that I've honestly seen him try to take the ball the other way 
and it's, it has made him a little bit better of a hitter this year, and he's having more success. But he had such a dismal last two years just because he was shifted all the time. And I think it just honestly got in his head because, you know, he's just a naturally gifted hitter, has a really good swing, hits the ball hard. And unless he hits it in the air and out of the ballpark, which he has the power to do, you know, he's hitting ground balls to, you know, more got, I mean, it's like a more condensed area where of uh, more infielders and it's tougher to get a hit when they know pretty much where you're going to hit it every time. So I know he's not the only player that's had those issues. So, I mean, in some ways, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, you have people that are calling for to ban the shift, but it's one of those things of, you know, do better find a find a new way to don't hit the ball at them like learn how to hit the hit the ball the other way that's a sign of a good hitter so so yeah there there was there was an article last week actually uh joe girardi the manager of the yankees uh called to ban the shift uh which was funny because he uses the shift um but he was i think he was a little uh upset because um, Nate Eovaldi, his pitch, one of his pitchers, had a no hitter going into the seventh, and um, gave up a base hit where the shortstop would have been um, if he had not shifted. So, yeah, I think he was upset because he's just like, well, like, like in basketball in the NBA, you're not allowed to have, you're not allowed to play zone defense. You shouldn't be allowed to shift. And the commissioner, Rob, you can play a zone, right? But the three the three second um you know defensive three seconds in the nba kind of hurts yeah it that, prevents right? the center from just sitting in yeah the middle. it prevents the center from sitting under the basket but you can still play zone. right so yeah i mean obviously he does. i think that's a terrible analogy that he made yeah i mean it's it's interesting you know thinking about it it's it he's old he's an old school guy he grew up it was baseball is done a certain way, so it's changed a lot. So I'm sure with anything, you know, people struggle with change. So it's made his job as a manager a lot more difficult because he has to look at those, look at that data and decide where to put people. And, you know, sometimes you're wrong and you give up a hit with a friend, no hitter. And I think it was somewhat childish to blame that on um, giving up a hit because, Cause I think it's. I would say it's more than somewhat childish. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous. And it's also like baseball, such a game of chance. Like, you know, I'm sure there have been countless um, no hitter. Like no hitters to me are even not that big of a deal. Like perfect games are much more of a accomplishment, just because you're not allowing any base runners. Whereas a no hitter, um, you know, Jake Arrieta, when he no hit the Reds, he walked four guys. So, I mean, four guys got on base. So, what? What's the difference between that and a guy giving up like one, one little bunt hit at the in the first inning, but strike or you know striking out everybody else? That's that's not looked highly as highly upon as you know a no hitter. So that's that's kind of weird how that's valued so much. Just kind of like a, a side tangent, but you know, there's I'm sure there's been a lot of like one or two hitters where you know there there are much better pitch games to where a no hitter was just by chance. The defense made some really good plays, or the ball was just hit at everyone. So it it goes both ways. But I just thought that was a weird reaction to let's ban the shift 
now and it's kind of been going on for a while and it's one of those things of well get better hitters that don't aren't as predictable or do better at your research or yeah or you know what probably in his case what are the amount of outs that he's gotten from doing the shift as a positive thing so yeah my 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 thoughts on this are that banning the shift saying that you want to ban the shift but then employing the shift on your own defense you lose all credibility i think you're i think you're stupid i do you can't say i want to ban it but then take advantage of it or try to take advantage of it when you think that it is going to benefit you because clearly he thinks it's going to benefit his team otherwise he wouldn't do it right so clearly he sees the value of using the shift but then to come out and say, oh, if I was commissioner, I would ban it, and then make a terrible analogy to, th- to the three-second rule, in the, 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 that's not even an equivalent because the center can still be there. He just has to move. That'd be like saying the shortstop can't stand still before a pitch. He has to run around second base mm-hmm. until the ball's pitched. Like it, it doesn't equate in the way that he's wanting it to. Right. So I, I, I mean, we'll link to the article in the show notes, and you can read it. I just I read it and I laughed out loud. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I think, I mean, baseball's just... I think the DH is dumb, but I'm only going to manage in the American <laughs> League. Baseball's just changing a little bit. It's becoming a little bit more well-rounded. You can't, you're not going to be able to succeed just being a, a one-type hitter. And I think that's part of being the best at the world of something. Uh, people adapt, and uh, people try to stop you from succeeding all the time. So part of your job, part of adjusting, is doing better. Or adjusting yourself, not complaining about a rule that, you know, it's not like they're putting more defenders out there. There's, they're leaving gaping holes on the other side of the infield that if you knew how to hit it over there, you'd get an easy hit or probably a double because, you know, they wouldn't be able to get there in time. So, yeah, I, I think I'm on the same boat with you as far as, I don't, I don't think there's any need to ban it. I think just learn how to, adjust and learn how to attack it better be more be a more rounded well-rounded hitter yeah yeah i just thought that was interesting i think that fed well into yeah my dad's follow follow up is yeah i was i saw that article and i was like that's kind of funny that you know talking about the shift and then calling for to ban it kind of in the same week that was interesting Dumb. All right, let's talk about something else equally as stupid, please. Oh my gosh, I can't even believe we're mentioning this person on the show. So, uh, another thing I that kind of popped up in this past week, um, in reference to uh, some things that we've already talked about. Um, so yeah, we we had talked about Jake Arrieta before, and just obviously he's a really good baseball player, really good pitcher. He's had ton of success the past two years he actually i think gave up a run in his last home start like just one single run for the first time uh since the middle of last year i believe they need to, they need to option him down to triple a now yeah exactly so he gave up one one but so yeah Stephen a smith of espn um noted noted hot take specialist with uh <laughs> that's a specialty yeah i mean it's <laughs> You got him and Skip Bayless, who have had jobs for multiple years and say the most ridiculous things. And I don't know why they have jobs. 
It was funny. Um, in reference to yeah, obviously the NFL draft just happened, but just a funny thing about Stephen A. Smith. So he uh, he fired off this tweet like five or six years ago about Tim Tebow um, and how he had that it factor and. Um, it was something in reference. I don't even know why he was comparing him to Andrew Luck, but you know, just, I mean, at the time everyone was just like, what are you talking about? Cause you know, Luck was unproven just beginning to start in the league. And he was like, I'd much rather have a guy, a proven guy like Tebow who just knows how to win games. <laughs> um, so just like he says that stuff all the time, but there's just no accountability, right? No, none whatsoever. This whole idea of hot takes, like there's just no accountability. It's let's say the most ridiculous things, be right maybe one out of a thousand times, and then flaunt that we were the ones that said it. Yeah, it's 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 all about getting page views and atten- attention. That's all it is. It's just attention mongering. So Stephen A. Smith this past week um, on his show that I don't know who watches. I never have, never will. Basically. In a roundabout way, accused uh, Jake Arrieta of <laughs> taking PAD, PEDs. Um, so yeah, he's you know he he referenced it by, or he prefaced it by saying um, that that's not what he was doing. I'm not. He goes, I'm not going to come out and accuse you of using PEDs, but I'm just saying, if we look at the numbers, something doesn't add up. Yeah, it's just like one of those things, like, no offense, but and then you say something really offensive. Yeah, no offense, but you're really ugly. But like you- when you preference <laughs> it by no offense, then it gives you like a, the right to say whatever yeah, you want. I guess. That or, all due respect, I think you're a moron. So he... Uh, this article goes on, kind of breaks down through the, the even the seconds of his spiel, um, just kind of breaking down how ridiculous it was, just spewing all these like arbitrary facts that weren't even necessarily <laughs> He got <true>. completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- this and, article is totally worth the read, even if it's talking about someone yeah. as dumb as Stephen A. Smith. So just, um, yeah, just really lazy researching, just... Yeah, just firing off a hot take, like, okay, so this guy struggled when he came up, got traded, wasn't really well-known, and now he's doing really well. Let's just assume that he's cheating kind of mentality as opposed to... Rafael Palmero. Yeah, because people have lied in the past as opposed to maybe some people work work really hard and get better. I don't know about you, Nick, but people have lied in the past, so I just assume that everyone lies to me in every situation. I trust nobody. Well, that's one way to live I mean, how life. can I? One person lied to me once, so I can never trust another person ever again. It's I, just I, completely logical. Yeah, yeah I, I don't understand, but it's a, I mean, it's a valuable lesson, I think. In, uh, I mean, integrity is important, and there's a lot of people that, in this context, that have lied in the past. But I think you got to be really careful uh, when you don't have much to go off of besides someone you having a ton of success. nothing to go off of. To, yeah, on, um, and an, on a national stage, kind of go after somebody. Now, if there's something like, you know, he's, um, there's, there, there's some sort of like paper trail with, you know, being involved in a drug or a PD situation, then okay, that's something. But if it's all like performance related, like... I don't know. I, I I think there's something to people improving. His facts are that his win loss record went up or got better. 
Yeah, he's on a much, but he's on a much better team in a much better situation, and right. he's older. And he, he talks about uh, throwing more innings um, and referencing how he, you know, dealt with some injuries in the past. But he does he doesn't even like remember to reference that he, yeah, he maybe pitched a limited major league innings, but he he threw a lot of minor league innings um, yeah. at that same time. Um, and he was always kind of known. I mean, a lot of people knew that he had good stuff. He just, you know, had trouble controlling it. Uh, you just learning how to pitch. Like, you got to know how to pitch. You can't just be a good thrower. So, and sometimes that just takes time. So, it was just, it's ridiculous. I mean, he doesn't really come off as someone that probably follows baseball super closely anyway. So, it's like one of those things like, do you even know what you're talking about? Um, but yeah, just, um, really smart people not knowing what they're talking about, I guess. Heavy sarcasm. (laughs) You're so much nicer than I am, Nick. Sarcasm (laughs) doesn't really translate well on podcasts, I've found, so. Well, you just gotta lay it on, you gotta lay it on thick, you know? I, I just choose to ignore him, except when, yeah, it's really funny, and this situation struck me as funny. So I'm sure he will continue to uh, drive on without any sort of remorse or accountability for this. But I I happen to think that with the uh, amount of testing that's done, that this is a uh, legit, and he's Jake Arrieta is a really good pitcher. Yeah. So I I've always thought that Stephen A. Smith was an idiot, but it wasn't until last year when the Ray Rice thing happened with where he he hit his wife and knocked her out cold in the elevator and he came out and I'm pretty sure it was about that situation um he came out and insinuated that it might have been Ray Rice's wife's fault hmm. or something like that and Michelle Beadle went off on him that's uh that's and a sensitive then he, uh Oh my God. But it was just like, what is wrong with you? How can you come out on national television and say that it's the woman's fault that her husband knocked her out? Right. In what scenario is that a good answer? And then Michelle Beadle, rightfully so, and good for her, uh, called him to the carpet on it. And he came back and... Well, I'll have to find links for the show notes for all this stuff. But as far as I remember, came back and said that people are saying that I said this, but what I really said was this, that, and the other thing. But if you go back and listen to what he said, he denies what he actually said, even though he actually said it. And then ESPN's solution to this was to have him, they aired a pre-filmed apology, which was like, I'm sorry that I said that, blah, 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 okay, bye. And that was, it was like a total cop-out. But you know what? I'm sure ESPN got... A ton of exposure, and uh, the ratings for that were pretty good. Um, I imagine. So yeah, I just that was like when, which is why he's still employed. Yeah, that's. So can we, Skip, can we, yeah, Skip Bayless is moving on from ESPN. Still, will be employed. Which don't know why. Amazing, but don't know why. Yeah, let's move on. Let's uh, let's talk about your Tigers. There's a few things that happened this week. Um, <laughs> that I, I found were interesting. So yeah, so, top, pres- top pitching prospect got called up. How do you feel about yes. that? Uh, well, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, 
one, I'm excited because he's a young prospect and he, by the accounts that I've read, um, has the potential to be a Verlander replacement, which is always nice um, to, you know, to go from one stud to a much younger version would be fantastic. Um, you guys got him for in the Suspettis trade last summer, correct? From the Mets. Well, that makes me feel even better about it then. I didn't realize that he was in that trade. Yeah, I think he was like the main piece that came back. Well, then that makes me feel even better about it. My only, my only um, potential um, concern is that if we're, we're calling him up this early, kind of seems to me that we knew that our rotation wasn't solid anyways, but we played an entire month of baseball without him in the rotation. Like I, I'm not sure if they were just waiting to see how he did in, in the minors this year or not, but it also seems to me like, why not just bring him up at the beginning of the season since it's so early and it's not like June or July. You know what I mean? We've played 24 games. Right. So why not? Why 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 bring him in this early? Is is the back end of the of the rotation that bad? Is he that good? Why not start him from the beginning of the year up here? Like th- th- those are just some of the questions going on in my mind with with calling him up so early in the season. Well, I think I can shed a, l- a little bit of light on what I think happened. Um, uh, Shane Green, I think he's your guy's fifth starter, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think he's been dealing with some blister issues, so I I think he's actually on the disabled list. So, from what I read, he's taking his spot for the next couple weeks. Uh, it doesn't seem to be at this point a permanent thing because they can send him back down. Um, but yeah, I guess it kind of depends on how well he pitches. Um, the how you know those blisters. It can be a little nagging, and it makes it tough to pitch when you have a blister on your finger. It just sounds really painful. But the, um, the other thing, I think, in reference to your earlier question about why not bring him up right away, there are some there are some issues with there's this whole idea of service time, and it's a little complicated. But basically, um, you know, minor leaguers that have never played in the majors, you know, under a team's control. You know, once you call them up, you have basically six years of control over them, um, six full years. So the the nuance in that is if you bring a guy up, I think it's it has to do with service days. Um, I've been reading a lot about this because with the Reds prospects, it's like a big reason why they're not calling them up to a certain amount of time. But there's like a hundred and um. 185 total days in a major league season and they count 172 service days so basically if you you hold prospects down for a couple weeks um and don't let them get that full year of service time you can hold on to them for an extra year because uh they don't hit free agency until six full years so it's kind of complicated but that's why you know last year with chris bryant why the Cubs kept him down for a couple weeks, even though he had been uh, pretty dominant in his minor league career. Was pretty, you know, generally the consensus was that he was ready, but yet he started in AAA, came up, and just yeah, showed showed that he was ready. Was all for that reason, so they could keep him an extra year. So, and there's some other things like young pitchers can't throw 200 and 
some innings that it takes to pitch a full year. So sometimes they try and manage them that way. But I think it's one reason why I kind of want to talk about is I think it's exciting. I, you know, he ha- he has had a lot of success in AAA. And the Tigers, I think they're on that line of, you know, they traded a few guys last year, uh, Cespedes and Price, for some younger guys. But they're still – they I wouldn't say that they're rebuilding. Like, they're still going for it. So you have a mix of – your your vets like Verlander and Cabrera, Victor Martinez, etc., with uh, some younger guys like um, Michael Fulmer. I think, yeah, I think it's exciting for the Tigers to have a young, uh, talented pitcher like that and see what he has. Because you know, if you guys keep contending throughout the year, you know he's oddly, you know, odds are he's probably better than Shane Green over the long term because of his pedigree. So. It's exciting, but pitchers are a little volatile. You don't know if there's no guarantee they're going to be good. But he had a good first start, went five innings, gave up two runs. I think you guys got the win. So, so yeah, he uh, could be a future mainstay in the Tigers' rotation in the next six years or so. Well, I'd be okay with that. Uh, the next thing about my Tigers is actually, I think, really funny. <laughs> um, uh, perhaps... Our listeners have heard this, but uh, Tyler Collins, an outfielder for the Tigers, uh, lost a ball in the lights apparently and proceeded to flip off the crowd and cuss them out on on television. It's always a good idea to alienate your home crowd. That's always uh, I remember good reading for the it. headline thinking, oh my gosh, of course this would happen. Of course. Why? Why? Why would this not happen in Detroit? Um, yeah, it was quite funny. And then he got sent down a few days later to the minors. But according to Brad Osmus, it's not related. They needed the space for they're bringing Francisco Rodriguez back, and then they also called up Fulmer. So that was the official reason he gave. But I'm not sure I buy that. Lesson learned here. You know, I I don't think it's a good idea to to alienate the people that are trying to support you, you know, and it happens. You make mistakes, but uh, maybe some anchor management issues there from uh, Tyler Collins. Well, and to his credit, he he did apologize after the game, saying that he lashed out and he knows that he should not have done it and he's, you know, apologized for it and everything like that. But I just remember reading the headline and laughing out loud. Like, <laughs> this, this still happens? This still happens. Like, uh, I just can't believe it. But it did happen, so he's he's enjoying his time in Toledo now. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't um, flip off any more fans down there. They might not be as forgiving. It can get a little crazy in the minor leagues. <laughs> so I've been told. I've never actually been to a minor league game, but hopefully someday. It's uh, It's a lot of fun. It's normally cheaper, and depending on the team, you know, you could get to see future major, major league talent. I remember... I got to see Aroldis Chapman when he was in the Reds minor leagues. Uh, they played the Indians, the Indianapolis Indians, when I lived there. So that was fun to kind of see him before. I think I saw his last minor league appearance. So, and it, I mean, those games are always cheaper to go to as well. So you gotta, you gotta try to do that. I know you live in Kansas City, so I don't necessarily think there's any minor leaguers, minor league teams close by, but. Someday in your life, you should check the game out. No, there's a uh, – the, they're called the T-Bones, 
and they're they gotta be like below single A. They're just like semi pro or whatever. But I did not go to their games. I think they're like two dollars to get into. Yeah, <laughs> not much. So. All right, Nick, why don't you tell me about your team? We've talked enough about the Tigers. See, so yeah, one, uh, one last piece of news that I wanted to cover about my beloved Cincinnati Redlegs. There was a, an article that came out this week uh, talking about the Reds' bullpen. So I know I am, I'm, a, I'm a Reds fan, so I've been following them, but uh, just so everyone else knows, it's been a, a bit of a struggle for the Reds' bullpen this year. So this article... Uh, went on to just uh, kind of highlight uh, some of the historic paces that the Reds are <laughs> bullpen is on right now, and not in like a good sense of historic, but in the like worst ever kind of categories. So, so first of all, um, just with the the ERA, so the Reds bullpen. Or when this article was written, which was a few days ago, and it has gotten worse because in the past series with the Pirates they gave up run in every game but as of uh, April 28th when this article came out the Reds bullpen had an ERA of 6.22 which was uh, worse in the league by almost half a run Um, innings pitched uh, they had thrown 81 innings the first 21 games and part of that is uh, for the the starting pitchers to blame. They've the starters have done a terrible job of lasting long in games. Um, that wasn't the the worst in baseball. That was fourth. Uh, saves uh, the metric for um, you know closing a game out. The Reds only have one this year. Uh, <laughs> they've won nine. They've won ten games. Um, but even today, they have only had one save. Um, Strikeout rate, they were only striking out 7.33 batters per nine, which is fourth worst in baseball. Um, below, uh, the only word, ones worse are the, the Angels, Tigers, uh, 6.3 in the Rays, which I think we all kind of knew the Tigers weren't going to have the best bullpen this year. And the, the last one I kind of want to talk about, well, there's two more, uh, the walk rate, um, is just been awful. They are walking over five batters per nine innings. So Jeez. there's nothing more maddening than you know bringing a reliever and he he's just walking guys. Um, so that's been bad. And um, yeah, the last one was so Brian Brian Price has made um, he has made 51 trips to the mound to pull out pitchers which is the the fourth worst in baseball. So, yeah, general theme of it's just been a really rough, rough year for the Reds. I mean, their their offense has done okay, but the pitching has just really let us down. Um, and the, the starters have some to blame with that. Um, some of our more veteran starters that are there haven't been uh, doing very well. Our younger guys are, have been inconsistent, which is something you can expect. But... Yeah, um, the home run, uh, they're on a, a pace right now to, to break the record, to shatter the record for home runs given up by a bullpen 
at this rate. So, you know, I think I made this mention pretty early on, but there's, there's no more frustrating way to lose a baseball game than to be doing well and have your bullpen come in and blow it. So it's been a frustrating month uh, for the Reds, but they won today. The bullpen blew a lead three times, but they still, they still won. (laughs) But yeah, they, I think they've won, they won two road games in all of April. So they got off to a good start and it's kind of been downhill ever since then. But you know, we've, I've known they, the part of the reason the bullpen has been bad is they haven't invested at all in it. Like you don't want to waste money on a bullpen when you know that you're not going to be good. So I understand that, but it's just going to be a rough year. We just got to get through it. Um, and I think better better times are ahead but yeah it's been rough a lot of people are upset but that's also the same people who delusionally thought that we would actually be good this year (laughs) all right well i'm sorry buddy but i know how that goes as you so eloquently put the tigers don't ever have a good bullpen so thanks for reminding me we're in the same boat together yeah it's sinking quick um before we jump into our main topic, I uh, just want to let the listeners know that you can find the show notes at supermegacore.net slash Mendoza slash eight. We'll have links to all the articles that we spoke about earlier. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter. Nick is at Coatsy, C-O-A-T-S-I-E-E, and I'm at Cam Brennan. And you can email us at hello at supermegacorp.net as well if you want to, you know, wax eloquent about something. So... All right, Nick, what's our main topic? See, we, we uh, as April's finished up, so one month down, so we, we're beginning to have uh, not quite as small of a sample size as, you know, the first couple weeks. Still a long way to go, obviously, but I think there's some things we can uh, kind of talk about as far as things that we've observed that have been, you know, interesting or things of note uh, through the first month of April. So we have three... That we're kind of going to uh, focus on so you know I can go first and then go back and forth but uh, the first one I want to talk about was uh, the Cleveland Indians actually uh, are struggling right now they're 10 and 12 fourth in the division yes Cleveland does not rock on a, a three-game losing streak um, the reason I'll talk about it is because you know in previous podcasts I I had put them up there in the top five rotations and bullpens uh, in the majors and so yeah when when you have that that type of pitching I expect a little bit more success in in April than than they've had so I will go I will give them credit they do have a plus uh, run differential right now so you know maybe some of it's just bad luck but one negative thing is that one of their you know best pitchers Carlos Carrasco uh, about a week ago, uh, tore his hamstring, so he's going to be out for a couple months. So that's been a pretty big blow. And Corey Kluber, or yeah, Corey Kluber has had a really rough start. Um, so yeah, their pitching has really struggled. Cody Allen, their closer, has blew a few saves. So so yeah, their pitching has uh, struggled a little bit, um, and they're they're off to a little bit slower start than I expected. So. You know, I don't know if that'll normalize over time, but it's something, uh, yeah, interesting as far as, you know, going into the year with that much pitching talent, you know, arguably four aces uh, to be under 500 in the first month. Boo. All right, so my uh, 
first observation from April is is kind of on the opposite side of being bad is being good, and that's the Baltimore Orioles, who are tied for first place right now with the Red Sox, who I assumed were going to win the division. Um, I don't think I expected the Orioles to be terrible by any stretch of the imagination, um, but the fact that they're four games above 500 and were 14 and eight, they're on a two-game losing streak, and they are leading the division. Um, that that's better than I would have anticipated. Yeah, there's. I don't think anybody was uh, predicting them to win the division this year, just because. Yeah, there's just not a a ton of talent outside of. They got a few superstars and Machado and Adam Jones. Uh, but yeah, their pitchers just it's just like a lot of average guys. No one really sticks out, but yeah, they just keep winning. Uh, my second uh, observation was uh, in that same. Uh, division AL Central, the White Sox are currently 18 and 8. So they are, yeah, they're not slowing down. Uh, they are got three games clear of the Tigers at this moment, uh, plus 25 run differential, which is the best in the American League. And, you know, I, I'm i a little surprised by that. I, I know they've got Chris Sale, amazing pitcher, but. You know, that Jose Quintana, uh, Carlos Rodon, Matt Latos, and John Danks. Those are, you know, Rodon was, a, I think, the number three overall pick three years ago, two, three, two years ago. But he struggled real bad with command. Uh, Quintana's a solid pitcher. But Latos, you know, he was just garbage last year, just terrible. And Danks is terrible. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're doing well with a – with Jimmy Rollins playing shortstop, Brett Laurie playing second base, Austin Jackson's in center, Melkian's in the left. So, you know, Frazier's been a good addition. But, yeah, I just I, – I don't see this sustaining. But, you know, 18-8, and eight, that's, uh, that's nothing to sneeze at. So we'll see what happens with that. I've got some uh, real-time follow-up for you, Nick. Guess what game is Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN tonight? Um, I'm going to guess the Yankees and the Red Sox. Ding, 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 just like it is every Sunday night. Pretty much. Anyways, uh, my number two observation, other than that, is the uh, the NL West. Ugh. It's gross. 12 yeah. and 12, 13 and 13, 13 and 13, 12 and 15, 9 and 16. <laughs> So no one has a winning record there. That's what you're telling no. me. And two teams, the Diamondbacks and the Padres, both have a negative run differential of over 20, which yeah. is not as bad as your Reds. But <laughs> the Reds, uh, but uh, yeah, the Rockies. The worst run differential in the league. I just realized uh, that. Congratulations, yeah, Reds. <laughs> I mean, the Rockies, the Giants, and the Dodgers are all 500. And then it's just ew. The Diamondbacks, oh, they have been really bad. And Shelby Miller has been awful. His ERA is like around nine still, like a month in. (laughs) So that's a guy they gave up a first round, the first overall pick in the draft last year for. Um, Another really good pitching prospect, a really good outfield, regular, like all those pieces for. Shelby Miller, who's been awful. So, at least I'm not a Diamondbacks fan. That would be really depressing because they're actually <laughs> trying to win right now. 
Yeah, it's not working out so well for him, is it? Yeah, so the West is bad. Or the Padres are bad, and they're also a team that is kind of trying to go for it. So that would be really depressing as a fan. But it is Arizona and San Diego. Warm climates. I wouldn't mind living there. San Diego more than Arizona. Yeah. All right, Nick, what is your third and final observation, sir? So, yeah, this one I just encompassed um, all of the – we're beginning to see a trend here of just four really bad National League teams. That includes the Braves, my Reds, the Brewers, and the Padres, um, all with, yeah, really bad records already. They're going to be really bad this year. They're only probably going to get worse because pretty much every one of those teams are going to trade off some of their better pieces at the deadline to try to get something. So, you know, I, I think those four teams are all going to be in the top five or six of the draft next year. But it's uh, it's going to be rough to watch those teams uh, for the rest of this year because it's not it's not going to get any better. You know, the Reds, all their injured pitchers – are pretty much having setbacks in there. The rehab starts. Um, the Braves, Braves are awful. The Brewers are going to trade off some of their better players soon. And the, the Padres, I don't even know. They're just bad, and I don't know who they have to trade off. You got guys like Melvin Upton Jr. batting cleanup and, um, <laughs> yeah, making a lot of money, like untradeable. And James Shields, who's, you know, very average but also making a lot of money and untradeable. So should be interesting to see. So my third and final observation was what in the world happened to the Houston Astros? We were we were so high on them this year, Nick, and they're the my world not, series pick. Yeah, they're not doing so well. 8 and 17 for a whopping Point three two one percentage, <laughs> or I should I say thirty two percent? Negative thirty two run differential. Losing records at home and on the road. Just lots of not good stuff. Yeah, nothing has really gone right for them, pitching or hitting wise. So that's something. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that turns around. They definitely. I mean. They had the most successful minor league season last year organizationally. They've got a lot of pieces, but I don't know. I mean, even look like a you know they traded for Ken Giles uh, last year. Traded you know a couple pretty renowned prospects, and he has been awful this year. So that that doesn't help. Carlos Gomez, who they traded for last year, has been awful. Dallas Keuchel, their ace, has been pretty average. So I think it'll turn around. That'll normalize a little bit. But I am very surprised that they have been doing as terrible as they have. That's, yeah, I don't I don't know if that's going to get better. We'll, we'll have yeah. to see. Well, I mean, Jose Altuve is like the one bright spot. 306. Car- Carlos Correa. But, yeah. yeah, he's young. So... I think that's, that's sometimes what you get when you have those really young players. It's a bit inconsistent. Yeah. For what it's worth, I like their their new uh, newer 
um, logo and jerseys, the orange and the blue with the star and the H on it. Much better than back in the Jeff Bagwell era. Much that better. F- that was a fun era, though, with him and Biggio. Oh, Jeff Bagwell. I hated his batting stance. And he was like... On that gum all the time. Oh, I'm, I, he, he's one of those people I looked at and I'm like, I just want to punch you. You may be a nice guy, but just looking at you, I want to punch you in the throat. That's how Jeff Bagwell made me feel. Um, do you remember, whenever I think of the Astros, do you remember Mike Hampton? He Pitcher? Was, and, yeah, pit him and um, there was this crazy uh, Latino pitcher. Oh, what was his name? Pedro Martinez? Jose Lima. No, Jose <laughs> Oh, God. Lima. He was a tiger, too. He bleached his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was crazy. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember. Jose Lima. Because, yeah, the Astros used to be in the Reds division, so we played them a lot. Lance Berkman just destroyed us all the time. But. <laughs> oh, Lance. The big yeah. puma. Those were some nasty jerseys, and then playing in the Astrodome, one of the worst. Uh. Hey, I've got ever. an idea. Let's stick flagpoles in center field. That seems real safe. <laughs> yeah, they tried to grow grass. And a hill. And a hill. How is that legal? How can you put a hill and flags in the field of play? Screw screw banning the shift. I want to ban that. That's their new stadium, I think. I think they took that out, too. Well, good. Jeez. Yeah, it was kind of dumb. So stupid. Just gonna put a jacuzzi in the middle of center field. <laughs> Get some prime money for those tickets. That's what the Diamondbacks. They have a hot tub in center field. Oh, but it's not in the field of play. Oh, that's true. I'm talking like <laughs> that would be. A I'm talking thirty yards behind second base. So anytime the center fielder's got to make a running forward leap, he lands. He like slip and slides into the hot tub. That'd be fun. It would. It would add a certain uh, flair to the game, Nick. I'm sure Joe Girardi would love it. Yeah, he he doesn't like to have fun. I'm sure he's <laughs> he's one of those that yeah, no celebrating allowed, no fun. Let's play the no game fun. how it's always been played. Yeah, no fun, Joe. We'll we'll go with that. All right. Well, I think that uh, that brings us to an abrupt end yet again. Good stuff. Can't believe we're a month in, but. It's been fun uh, talking with you. Indeed, episode eight has now concluded. Goodbye, everybody. See you.